So welcome to week two of love, the principal thing. What does principal mean? The first means premier, most important, the foundation of things. The Bible says that God first loved us. We didn't come up with this idea. Love is from God. Love, uh, God is love. And so with his love, he reached out to us. And with that same love, we give back to him. We love him as he loved us. Isn't that nice to know that you don't have to even supply the love? He supplies it. We just return it back to him. Can I say it this way? That he first loved us, and so we use that same love to love him. Now, it's not hard to love someone that genuinely loves you, is it? If they, if they, if they think the world about you, if they say good things about you, if they buy you things, don't, and they say they love you, they want to get to know you. It's, not, it's hard to resist somebody like that, isn't it? I got a no, I got a yes. <laughs> I mean, if it's a good person, I'm not talking about, you know, somebody that's, you know, suspect. I'm talking about a good person that says, I just love you. I love the way you walk. I love the way you talk. I, I just want to get to know you. <laughs> okay, well, God, God is this way. He, he thinks the world of us. He says, you are the apple of his eye. Isn't that nice? He says good things about you. He says you are holy and blameless in his sight. He, he can't help buying you stuff. He says, I will freely give you all things that I have. So why wouldn't we want to fall in love with him? I mean, we're talking about God, the perfect God, the only God, the holy God. He's a giver, and he's a lover of our souls. So we talked about, let's go here, uh, last week, just as a little bit of a recap. The four types of love. And interestingly enough, people like this part of, this, of the sermon more than any other part. Why, I don't know, but let's go over it a little bit and talk about it. Eros. Physical and intimate. Yea, even the attraction, the sexual attraction between a man and a woman, eros, is where we get the word erotic, right? But see, the, the devil and the world have perverted that to make it more lustful and uh, devious and perverted. And, and God said, don't, don't lust on a woman. Don't, that, you don't use that Eros physical attraction to be all that it is. That's all external. But you need that if you want to fall in love with somebody, right? There has to be some kind of physical attraction that draws them to each other. And all the holy people said, amen. <laughs> and... Uh, then we have the phileo, which is a friendship or brotherly love. That's where we get the world, the city, what? Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Because you're supposed to uh, live in harmony with one another. Um, and you said, you know, some ministers say, well, you can, you can love everybody, but you don't have to like everybody. Is that true? Can I just help a little bit on that? <laughs> How can you love somebody and not at least like something about them? There's got to be something. Nothing? How, how do you... How, I love you, but don't even talk to me. <laughs> you, you have to like... The Bible says believe the best of every person, doesn't it? 
You know, there's got to be something that they can do that's good, something that you can enjoy. You know, they can sing or dance or they may be loud, but at least you put them, you know, in, in charge of, a, a <laughs> of something out here on the parking lot and they'll yell and scream and you go, okay, they did their job, okay? So I, I think that you should like, so I like everybody. I mean, I don't like everything that they do, but I genuinely like them because they're a child of God. So you have to find something good about them. Otherwise, you're going to be like miserable because there's something wrong with all of us. I don't know if you knew that. When we get to heaven, God's going to line us all up and go, okay, you did this. You're no good there. I mean, we, we all got our problems, don't we? When, when did we all of a sudden just be the perfect cookie cutter person that just God says, okay, I made it right right here. This is, the, this is it. This is perfection. No. That's what happens when you get married. You find out, oh, that person is not the perfect one that, I, that I'm supposed to be with. And yay, even I am not. See, I thought I was perfect before I got married. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she helped me out. She said, you know, why you do this? Or why do you do that? You should have done this. And, and how come you didn't do that? I don't know. Because when I was alone, nobody was telling me what to do. Nobody was saying anything. I did anything wrong. <laughs> I was happy with myself. <laughs> okay. So then we have storge, right, which is family love. You know, we have family members that we just love because they're our family. They're not the best, you know, if we could choose somebody else, you might do that. But they are your family, and you live with them, and you love them. Praise God. Anybody have any family members that you really have to especially love? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you mothers, you love your children no matter what they do, right? Yes. You know, that guy that's in jail, the mama says, I, my, my boy, my boy. He didn't do it. I know he didn't do it. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> then there's the gopi love. God's love for us. This is amazing. The, the, nowhere, no other religion, nowhere else in the Bible, but in the New Testament when Jesus came, do we find agape love. It's God's love for us regardless if we deserve it or not. It is unconditional and looking out for our best interests, not their own best interests. It's unselfish, looking for nothing in return. What kind of love is this? It's not a feeling. It's a sacrificial love that voluntarily seeks the highest benefit of another person, regardless if they deserve it or not. This is unheard of in my culture, my Italian culture. It's always like, you know, you owe me one. <laughs> you know, the Godfather, when he calls me, you know, if you would have come to me as a friend, I, I could understand, but uh, look what they did to my boy. I need you to do me, I don't want his mother to see him like that. And they call in the favors, right? You, you mark, okay, I've helped you like three times now, okay? Can, we need a return here on this investment. <laughs> but God, you know, loves us all three ways. Phileo, because we're in the family of God. Storge, I mean, Phileo, because he likes, he genuinely likes us. He wants us to be his friend. Did you know that? Abraham was called a friend of God. Moses was a friend of God. Enoch walked with God. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were friends. They hung around Jesus. So he wants to be with us. 
and be friends with us, and yet we're also adopted into the family. He loves us two ways. And then agape, he just loves us because he loves. He is love. And guess what? He likes us even in our faults and in our weaknesses. He doesn't want us to stay there, but he's not leaving us. He's not saying, you know, I can't hang with you. <laughs> I'll just be up here and you, I'll see you when you're done. No, he, he's with us in all that we do. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, so let's... Um, I'm going to talk about love a little bit before we get into some more scripture. Um, we love all kinds of things, don't we? What are the things we love? We love cars. We love sports. Shopping, clothes, outfits. Huh? Houses. We love, I do, I like houses. I like to look at houses. We got a house waiting for us, you know, the Bible says in here. A nice house that he built. We like uh, cooking shows. We like eating. Huh? We like food. But, but technically, we're not supposed to love these things. God has given us all things to enjoy, but he wants us to love him. It's displaced when we love all these things, and then we just kind of like God a little bit. You know, is he, is he the, the pilot of your life, or is he the co-pilot? Or, or, or is he in the back seat? Well, worse yet, is he in the trunk? <laughs> Lord, I'll call you when I need you. <laughs> right? We have, now, now, here's the thing. Now, I didn't know this. I, looked, I was doing some research. Do you know that some people have actually married inanimate objects? There is a lady that married the Eiffel Tower. You heard about her? Erica Tower is her name now. <laughs> She married the Eiffel Tower. It's a little crazy, isn't it? One lady married the Berlin Wall. Now, I don't know what happened when they tore it down. I guess the marriage was dissolved. But <laughs> One lady married a roller coaster. This is displaced, wouldn't you say? Definitely. Definitely. But we, we say, we love, I just love this, I just love that. And, and I'm thinking, my, the way, there's a check in me saying, wait a minute, we're supposed to have love the Lord with what? All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind. But food is, will get you every time. Now here's some things <laughs> that you, you know that you're having a problem with food, okay? When you're eating breakfast and you're wondering what you're going to have for lunch, that's, that's, that's loving it a little too much, isn't it? When you go to a party or a meeting and you want to know exactly what kind of food is there going to be there. You know you love food too much when you know the entire menu of many of the restaurants that are in your neighborhood. You know, I, we, have, we have a relative that no matter where we go, we say, we, we went to here. Oh, did you try the, what is this? Did you try the, that? You try that? Knows exactly what they had. Oh, but don't, tell them to put the extra pepperoni on that because that is really the bomb that way. Like, please, how do you know every, every item on the, rest, on the menu? You know you have too much food, or you're thinking about food too much, is when the seasonal specials, you know all about them in, the favorite, in your favorite restaurants. You know when the, the pie special's on, you know when all the things, the, the McRibs, you know when that comes in. I don't know when that comes in. I know my wife, when she used, <laughs> used to uh, shop at, uh, what was that store that went out of business? I forgot. 
now the clothing store uh, was Robinson's may may come. She, knew, my, my wife knew everything. She knew the return policy. She knew everything that you know when when the shipments came in and when to put it on hold. She knew how to. She she could work there. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. You you know you know your dream when you dream about food. You know you like it too much. And and you know you like food too much when fasting is totally out of the question. Never, that, that never will ever come into your thought and your discussion. Okay, you know you like food too much when you eat to have fun, and when you're depressed, you eat. You, you like food too much. You know, Tommy Lasorda used to say, he says, I got a problem trying to lose weight, but when, when the Dodgers lose, I, I, I feel like eating. And then when they win, I feel like eating. <laughs> it's like... Whether they win or they lose, I feel like eating. That, that, you know you're hooked to food too much, right? The Bible says to, to not make our belly our God. Whose God is their belly, it says in Philippians 3.19. But what I do is, I, you know, I, I use this to my advantage. Because when I go into a restaurant and I'm looking at a menu and I don't know exactly what to order, I ask the waitress, well, what about this? Is this good? And if they go, yeah, that's good, I won't order that. But if, if I ask her, is that good? And she rolls her eyes, goes, oh, yeah, that's good. I'll get that. I want to see some expression, right? I want to see, you know, do you really like it? That's how I can tell whether it's good or not. Praise the Lord. Okay, so, you know, it, interesting on these four loves. And really, to get married, you need all four of these, wouldn't you say? You got to be attracted. They got to be a friend to you. The Bible says that when you marry, you know, husbands, love your wives uh, as your own bodies. They have to be part of your family. And agape, you have to unconditionally love them no matter what they do. You know, because there's no return policy on this. You know, you marry somebody, you take them home, and you go, it's not really operating the way I want it to operate. <laughs> Can I turn this back in and get another model? <laughs> no, you made your purchase, and that's it, Right? Amen. Are you guys with me on this? I hope, I hope, I hope you're following me on this. Okay. Now, now, Jesus, when he was talking to Peter, remember Peter? He's the one that denied Christ three times. You remember that? When they were there by the fire and they were crucifying Jesus, they asked Peter, Do you, you know this guy? And he said, no. And the Bible says he cursed and swore that he didn't know Jesus. Now, he wasn't cussing. He wasn't using words, he said, I will put a curse on myself if I'm lying. And I swear, just like I promise, I swear that I don't know him. Remember how you, you say, well, I'll swear on a stack of Bibles? That's what he was saying. He wasn't cussing. He didn't, you know, go ghetto on him. He just was saying, I don't know him. And if it is, let that curse come upon me. And I swear to you, I, I don't know him. And isn't that what they do in court now, too, still? They have the Bible there, and you put your hand in your Bible. Do you, swear, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And they say yes, and they stand up there and they lie. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything. But so when Jesus uh, uh, was being crucified, after he was crucified, he came back to Peter, and he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he said, Agape, do you love me unconditionally? Will you, are you ready to give your life for me? Are you ready to, to, to uh, forsake all and follow me? And you know, what you, you know what Peter said? 
What do you think he said? Uh, I phileo you. I'm fond of you. I have affection towards you. And then Jesus again said, okay, feed my sheep. But then he asked him the second time, do you agape me? Do you love me more than these that are here? Are you ready to go the distance with me and for me? And G Peter again said, I phileo you, you, I like you, but you know me. You know I've already denied you three times. I don't know what's on the inside of me. I'm giving you the best I can. I brotherly love you. I like you as a friend. And Jesus, one more time. You know what he said the third time? Okay, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you love me that much? Do you, are you fond of me? And then Peter answered back, yeah, I phileo you. I love you. He met him where he was at. But then guess what? Peter rose to the occasion because he gave his life. He was crucified just like Jesus, except he wanted to be upside down because he didn't feel like he was worthy to be crucified the same way that Jesus was. In my mind, hello, I think it's harder to be upside down, don't you think? There, Peter trying to outdo Jesus again. Still hadn't learned to... Let me do it upside down. Let me do it sideways. But anyway, God met him uh, where he was. So let's look at this here. Uh, next slide is God's love in these uncertain terms. It's unmerited. That means we didn't deserve it. Unconditional means we're not qualified. Unending means it doesn't end. Unseparable, nothing, or he's not going to leave you. Unselfish means his thoughts are always towards you. And unshaken, not moved by your mistakes. What kind of love is this? Who can resist this? Who wouldn't want somebody like that to love you? Yea, even Almighty God loving you that much. That no matter what you did, no matter what you're doing, his thoughts are towards you. He's always for your good and not for evil. And he's not moved by your mistakes. I want somebody like that. We're used to being called on the carpet for our mistakes, aren't we? When, the when they say to you, okay, the boss wants to see you, go like, oh, no, here it goes again. You know, we have ratings at our work, and every month they give us, uh, I forgot what they call it now. Thank God I forgot it all. But they, <laughs> they, they give us ratings, how many mistakes you made over the month. And you look at it, you know, like, we're supposed to have a 95. I'm going like, 82? 82? How could I have 82? You made some mistakes. You better bring it up, son. <laughs> Okay, okay. You love me, those two, don't you? Yeah, we love you, but you know what? Those mistakes will bring you down. Okay, so uh, let's look at this next scripture. We're going to get into something new now. Now, this is amazing that God has such promises of love for us. Look at this in Hebrews 13, verses 5 through 6, in the Amplified Version. You know what the Amplified Version is, right? It's an extension of the New King James or the King James, but it's the definitions that are added on to amplify it. And lo and behold, it was wit written by a woman. Well, we all know women talk a lot, right? How many women do we have here? That's not a bad thing, though. Because a lot of times you need an explanation of things. You know, us men, we just cut it short. Do you realize that women speak 20 thousand to 25,000 words per day. And men only speak 7,000 to 10,000 per day. So sometimes I get home and I'm at my li limit. I'm almost at 10,000. And my wife wants to ask me a question. 
And I tell her, I'm out of words. <laughs> My ticker says, I'm out of words. <laughs> and it makes sense because uh, uh, we were playing uh, dolls. And when you ever see uh, uh, us playing with, uh, girls playing with dolls, what do they do? They talk about it, don't they? Okay, baby, we're going to get dressed now and we're going to go down, so we're going to comb our hair, then we're going to go downstairs and eat. Right? They talk to the doll. But when guys play, how do they talk? They don't. When they play with cards, they make noises. <laughs> so when men come home from work and the woman asks them, how was your day? They make noises. Mm. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Nothing's changed, right? But the women will, if you ask them how their day was, they'll go through the whole day. Right to the end, beginning to end. And I know, I don't have to worry. So, anyway, the Amplified is written by a woman. It says, now look at this. The, 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 the scripture just in, in the King James says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Pretty simple, pretty easy, right? But look how it's amplified. I will never under any circumstance, under any circumstances, desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless. You know, when you say it three times, that is like a surety. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down. Have you ever been let down before? People say, oh, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be there to help you. Yeah. So where did he go? How come he's not here? Or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Is he trying to make a point here? He's trying to double, triple, quadruple, tell you I'll never leave you or forsake you. So we take comfort and we are encouraged and confidently say, the Lord is my helper in time of need. I will not be afraid. Is that good news? Hallelujah. Tell the Lord, thank you that you're never going to leave me. Thank you, Lord. You're never going to let your hold uh, leave me. You're never going to lose your grip on me, Lord. Thank you that you're going to help me. Here's another way of saying it in Isaiah 41. On the next slide. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not. Anybody fearing out there? So don't do that. Why? For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He said, I'll strengthen you. Yeah, but you know, I just feel so weak. I don't know if I can do it. I, I don't know if I'm equipped. I'll, I'll, I'll strengthen you. Well, yeah, yeah, but I feel so helpless. I, I feel like I, I, I don't, I can't do, I'll help you. He said, but I feel like I might fail. No, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's look at this next slide real quick. Here's Jesus. Who's he looking for? Somebody went in the drink. Who, who went in the drink? Peter's in the drink somewhere. 
But what did, what did God promise? I'll never leave you. I'll never let you down in, the, in any circumstances. I will uphold you with my mighty right hand. And he finds Peter and he lifts him up when he was sinking. Do you feel like you're sinking sometimes? Things aren't going your way? The Bible says that what? Um, all things work together for the good to them that love God. It may not work out the way you want to have it to work out. We were talking to a couple one time, and, and they lost their house. And I said, it's called the death of a vision. It's when you believe for something and it doesn't work out. You don't give up. God has another way of bringing it to you. He said, I'll never forsake you. I'll never let you down. Assuredly not. Okay, let's go back to the, the first slide before that. So he said, I will help you. I will help you. He's not going to do it for you, but he will help you. If I asked Ron to come over and help me paint my house, I said, Ron, will you help me paint the house? He goes, sure, I'll come and help you. And, and we come, and, and so I, I get the paint out, and I get the paintbrush out, and I sit in the chair, and I go, okay, Ron, go ahead. <laughs> Ron said, no, I, I came here to help you, not, not to do it. So while I'm in school, the Lord said he would help me, but... I should get out and study, but he gives me the strength to do it, the energy, the mind power to speak through me to get things done. Now, I had to, uh, I want to tell you about the story about this farmer, and uh, he bought this property, and it was all dilapidated. The, you know, the fence was all tore up, and it was old and broken, and then the, the fields were kind of chopped up, and they weren't being taken care of, and then the barn was a mess, it needed a paint job, and so... The guy took it over, and, and he started fixing it up, and he started, you know, fixing the, the fence and painting it nice and white and plowed the fields and, makes, and planted some, some crops and then got it to the barn, painted it nice and red, looking real sharp, and he felt good about himself. And the neighbor, by, neighbor came by, a Christian guy, and he said, oh, it looks like you and the Lord have done a good work here. He goes, yeah, you should have seen it when the Lord had it by himself. He, it was just not that good. When the Lord had it by himself, the Lord's not going to do it by himself. He's going to use us. He's going to help us do it. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's, how, do we, how do we love the Lord? Or why do we love the Lord? Let's see this next slide here. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, what? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That's how you love the Lord. All of your heart, your soul, your strength, and then Jesus adds all of your mind in the New Testament. So what are we supposed to do? Look, give, us, give him all of us, right? Our heart, soul, strength, mind. How, how do you do that? What is that? Let's look at this. Definition of heart on the next slide. Heart is the center of all physical and spiritual life. It's our innermost feelings. It's our deepest thoughts. It's our desires and inner yearnings. That's all of your heart. You can tell when somebody's given you all of your heart, can't you? You can tell when somebody's singing with all of your heart, all of their heart. You can tell when somebody's playing sports with all of their heart. They do that little extra something to reach out and, and, and catch the ball or, or hit a note or whatever it takes. Simply put, it's what we desire on the inside of us, what we really want to, ha to have happen. So we have to love them with all of our heart, our innermost beings. It's what we want to do. What I want to do is I want to minister 
the gospel. I love doing it. My desire is what I want to do. It doesn't matter if I have to, you know, plant seed in the, in the, in the front yard or clean up. Or it doesn't matter. This is what I want to do. It's, it's what my heart's desire is. The next thing is definition of, next slide says, our soul. What is the soul? Soul is the seat of our affections. It's our will. It's our emotions. It's our mind, our reason, and our understanding. Simply put, it's what we feel. Once your heart says, I love the Lord, how do you feel about it? God wants us to put our feelings into it. Do you know that David was the first person that ever said, I love you to the Lord? After all the other people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David was the first one that says, you know, Lord, I love you. Do you say that to the Lord, that you love him? Are you in love with him? Do you like to just spend time with him? That's your soul. That's your emotions. I mean, if you had, what the thing we have to do is, is calm our emotions, calm uh, our life, and, and get back to our first love of just loving him. God wants us to be emotional about him. Isn't that nice to know? And the next uh, Bible definition is the mind. The mind is your understanding, your insight, your reflection, your perception, your facility of thought. Your mind has to be stayed on him. Did you know that? The Bible says, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So when my mind starts to go tilt, go off, I got to go, wait a minute, I, I, I have control over my mind. Your mind doesn't have control over you. You tell your mind what you want it to think. And you can just pull it out and go start thinking about something else. Did you know that? You're not, you're not slave to your mind. Your mind is slave to you. You tell your mind what to do. And so I know that before I knew the Lord, my heart, my soul, and my mind was into baseball. That's just the way it was. Fell in love with, I don't know, I inherited from my parents. They used to listen to the game every day in New York. In fact, if you're in New York and you walk down the street, you can hear the, the baseball game on the radio from house to house to house. You don't even need a radio. You just listen to this, this house, and then you go to the next house, you hear continuation all the way through. So they came out here to California. They found they love the Dodgers. They listen to the Dodgers. We go to the Dodger game. And so I grew up playing baseball, loving the Dodgers every day. I played in grade school, I played in high school, I played Little League, Pony League, junior college, semi-pro. And then after that was over, I started playing softball every day, almost every day, twice on Sunday. It was in my mind. <laughs> but then I met the Lord. And then I had to switch everything. Now I don't love baseball, but I enjoy playing baseball, but with the Lord's mindset. In other words, he and I play baseball together. So whatever you do, put him premier in your mind, in your thoughts, in your heart, and in your emotions, and watch him go to work in your life. Praise God. The last uh, Bible definition is the strength. Your ability, your force, your might. It's what we do. It's your strength. Because if you love the Lord, you want to get up and go to church. You want to get up and read the Bible. You want to get up and help somebody in the streets. You want to do something. You have to have some strength, right? That's why God, Jesus said, what, they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
He wants all of you. And what are we to say? Yes, Lord, I receive it. I will do it. Okay, and then what happens in our life? Let's look at this. Definition of grace is, next slide, is divine influence upon the heart of a man reflected in his life. So if you have these things on the inside of you, your life is going to change. The way you go, the way you walk, and what you worship will all change. Isn't that true? All you have to do is look at, look at someone's life. What do they do? What do they do for fun? Do they listen to Christian radio? Do they sing? Do they worship the Lord? If you do these things, guess what? You're going to fall in love. You're going to be loving God. And when you love God, the Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You got any enemies? They'll be at peace with you. Solomon, when he was worshiping the Lord, the Lord said, the Bible says, all the enemies were at peace with him. But then when he stopped, all the enemies rose up. So God will protect you in the way that you go, how you walk and what you worship. In the last scripture in Psalms 1, let's look at this. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. There's three action words here, right? Walk, stand, and sit. So if you see some... some People that are ungodly walking by you, what are you supposed to do? Let them keep going, right? <laughs> but what if you see them walking by and you start walking with them? Hey, what are you guys doing? Where are you going? Huh? Tell me about it. What party? I don't know no party. You, you going to a party? You're not supposed to walk with them. And then if you stand with them, you start, so where is the party anyway? Who's going to be there? Really? What do they do there? And then you sit down and go like, well, what's the address anyway? <laughs> Can we talk? What time are you guys going? And I says, don't do that. Walk not in the, don't walk with them. Don't stand and talk to them. Don't sit and plan your life with them. So be, be what do you call it, circumspect on what you're doing. Where are you on the internet? Who are your friends? Where do you hang out? Where do you go? What do you, what do you talk about? Because the Lord has to take over your life so that you can be a blessing to him and he can be a blessing to you. Because the end of this is right after this, Psalms 2, or Psalms 1, verse 2 and 3 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Is your delight in the law of the Lord? You just get all excited when you get to read the Bible. It says, God, I just love hearing how you want to work in my life and do things for me. I delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates, thinks about how often? Day and night. All day, all night, all the time. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. How many things? Whatever. Whatever he does, whatever you invest, wherever you go, whatever you do, it will prosper if you meditate in his word. How often? Once in a while. When you feel like it, just, you know, on occasion, just, you know, when you hear about it, maybe, you know, once, once a week, 
day and night. Do you see where we're missing it? Do you see how we can't be operating in the love of God and giving him back the love that he's giving us? Because we're, excuse me, L-A-Z-Y. We just don't do it. Our heart's not in it. Our soul is not in it. Our, our, our reasoning, our, our mind is not in it. And our strength is not there. But I'm here to tell you, if you do these things, God's promise is that he'll love you with an everlasting love. He'll never leave you, forsake you. He won't let you fail. He'll do things good for you. When you go to him and pray, he's not going to say, oh, you know what? I don't know you. I haven't heard from you for a long time. I don't know what I want to do with you. No, he said, I, my child, I'm so glad that you called. I'm so glad that I'm able to help you. Amen? Y'all pretty, pretty quiet out there. I don't know if you're catching this. How many want to take the challenge? How many want to do that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Amen? Amen. Well, let me pray over you. Father, I just thank you for those that raised their hand and that those that believe in you, that your promises are true, that if we give our heart and our soul and our strength and our might unto you, that, Lord, you'll take it and create a new creature on the inside of us, that we'll be new creatures in Christ, being able to do great things for you. And I thank you that, Lord, we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And Lord, as you work on the inside of us, we know all the things that are surrounding us will uh, come to pass and will uh, be um, worked out for our good because we know that you love us, Lord God. You love us with an everlasting love. So Father, for this, we give you the praise, we give you the glory, and we give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.